Bible reading this morning is taken from uh, Acts chapter 2, and I'm reading from verse 42. Acts chapter 2, and reading from verse 42. It's entitled, The Fellowship of Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. A couple of weeks ago it was uh, Pentecost Sunday and uh, we were looking at the early uh, chapter of uh, Acts chapter 2 and uh, we were seeing what happened uh, to the disciples uh, when the Holy Spirit came. And we saw the difference uh, that it made in their lives. And uh, this morning I want to kind of uh, continue on from where we left off and uh, looking very much at uh, Acts uh, 2, uh, 42, under this heading, The Fellowship of Believers. Uh, because what Luke does uh, at the end of of uh, Acts chapter 2, as the as the church, of course, Pentecost was the birth of the church. Uh, this is how the church came about. And uh, right at the end of Acts chapter 2, uh, we read about the things that were important to the early church. The things that the early disciples, uh, in Luke's words, uh, devoted themselves to. And uh, Luke tells us... Um, that they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And uh, I just want to, for a few moments, really try and unpack uh, those four things that the early disciples committed themselves to. Uh, Four things that the early disciples uh, thought were very important at the beginning of the church. And I want to suggest... Uh, this morning, that they're no less important in the church today. And so, uh, the Fellowship of Believers, Acts 2.42. And uh, the first thing I want to talk about is discipleship. Uh, The church is in the business of making uh, disciples. That's what we do. Uh, That is our product. Uh, That's what we make. If if we were a business... uh, we would be in the uh, business of producing disciples. And uh, one of the ways uh, that we produce disciples is through the preaching and teaching. Uh, Luke says uh, that they devoted themselves um, to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so uh, preaching and teaching was uh, very much a part of the early church. And earlier on in Acts chapter 2, we were thinking a couple of weeks ago about Peter when he preached that first sermon. And of course the first sermon he ever preached, he got an amazing response 
in that 3,000 people uh, were saved and uh, committed themselves to God. And so the preaching of the word um, has always been uh, very successful. Of course, today people might say, well, um, haven't we kind of moved on from there? We kind of live in the age of the soundbite, don't we? Uh, you know, we never hear uh, a politician's full speech, do we? You know, when uh, the prime minister uh, gives a speech, we tend to just get a little soundbite, don't we? And it's almost as if uh, in this modern era, people think that we can't cope uh, with more than a soundbite. And the idea of listening to somebody speak for you know, 20 minutes or even 25 minutes or longer uh, may seem a little bit outdated. But it seems to me that, uh, that preaching and teaching, it was at the heart of what the early disciples did. And it seems to me that in the church, it's still very much about at the heart uh, of what we do. Uh, many of us here today could uh, give testimony to the fact that it was during somebody's preaching, maybe that we also made that commitment to God for the first time. It's the way that we've uh, learnt about the Bible through uh, preaching and through Bible study. It's the way that we've grown in our Christian faith. So preaching and teaching is very much at the heart of what we do. And... Uh, We don't think it's, uh, it's boring and outdated. Uh, you may be interested to know that uh, uh, if you've ever fallen asleep uh, during a sermon, uh, which no doubt some of you will have done, uh, no doubt maybe even during one of my sermons, uh, you're not the first person to do it. In fact, um, I don't know whether this is the first uh, record of somebody uh, falling asleep, but later on in, in Acts uh, chapter 6, uh, we read about Paul speaking and it seemed that Paul got a bit carried away or, or the excuse that Luke gives is he was, he was going to be leaving them the next day. It says Paul spoke to the people and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Imagine that. Uh, and it says, seated in the window was a young man named Ictychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on and on says also that the room was quite warm. And uh, if you know the story, he actually fell out of the window and died. And uh, Paul had to bring him back to life. Well, uh, people have fallen asleep during my sermon, but I'm not sure that anybody's actually ever uh, injured themselves or hurt themselves uh, during the course of one of my sermons. But there's always a first time, so keep an eye on the person next to you, uh, just in case they, they, they fall off into sleep and fall off the chair and, uh, and hurt themselves. Uh, we've got a fire engine coming later, but I don't think we've got the first aid people this, this time. So uh, do be careful. Uh, preaching can be quite dangerous. Uh, certainly if you preach for a long time. So, uh, we want to say that preaching and teaching is still very much at the heart of what we do. And uh, every Sunday in this church, uh, the word of God is preached. But also, uh, we very much encourage people to meet together in their homes. A big part of our discipleship, our ongoing discipleship, is encouraging people to meet together in small groups. Because we recognise the importance of studying God's word together. And again, I would encourage you, if you're not part of a small group, 
uh, that meets in people's homes uh, to speak to myself or to one of the other deacons about getting into a small group. There's, there's quite a few small groups that meet regularly uh, in different people's homes to study God's word. And we think this is really important. And this is what the early disciples devoted themselves to, the apostles teaching and preaching. And we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, also want to devote ourselves to the same thing, to the preaching and to the teaching. So that's the first thing uh, that uh, Luke's points out was the thing that the disciples devoted themselves to was uh, the apostles' teaching. Secondly, I want to talk about fellowship. About fellowship, and I'm calling this caring and sharing. You might notice there's a little kind of rhyme thing going on here, and sometimes... uh, uh, we have to kind of work hard to get the, the, the rhyming words, but you'll see as we, as we go through this. Caring and sharing, fellowship. Uh, Luke says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. In other words, uh, Luke is saying the early disciples uh, devoted themselves to the teaching and preaching, but also to the caring and sharing of one another. Uh, that they thought that each other was important. And uh, it seems that they went to great lengths. All the believers were together and had everything in common, even selling their possessions and good, and they gave to anyone as there was a need. They shared everything together uh, in those early disciples, in the early church. They had everything uh, in common. There was nobody who had a need within the church that it wasn't met. And wouldn't it be great if we could say that that was the case today? Uh, You know, that there was nobody in the church uh, who had a need that wasn't met. Uh, We have a a pastoral group that that meets together and and works and and tries to make sure that this is the case. Um, But of course, um, we can only do that through the willingness of people to help and, and support and, uh, of course, um, this is an area of church where, uh, traditionally, you know, uh, there's always been complaints about uh, whether we get this right or not. And again, you know, complaining, uh, well, it, it goes back further than the, the, the early church. It, it goes right back to the, the days of the Exodus, you know, when Moses was leading the people uh, out of Egypt. Uh, maybe this is where it first started, that grumbling and moaning uh, within religious circles, and, uh, but we find it too, we find it in Acts as well, uh, in, uh, in Acts, uh, we only get to Acts chapter 6 when we find out that uh, in those days the number of disciples were increasing, the Grecian Jews complained because their widows were being overlooked. And uh, I read an interesting story about, uh, about complaints. A guest at a hotel restaurant called over the head waiter. Some of you have been on holiday this week, no doubt. One morning and said, I want two boiled eggs. One of them so undercooked that it's runny. The other so overcooked that it's as easy as to eat as rubber. Also grilled bacon that's been left on a plate to get cold. Burnt toast that crumbles away as soon as you touch it with a knife. Butter straight through the deep freeze that's impossible to spread. And a pot of very, very weak, lukewarm coffee. That's a complicated order, sir, said the bewildered waiter. It might be a bit difficult. The man turned to him and said, but that's exactly what you gave me yesterday. (laughs) The early church uh, experienced complaints as it grew because uh, the numbers of people increased 
and uh, it was hard to make sure that everybody uh, was cared for. The only way they could do that, uh, if you were to read in, in, in chapter 6, what they actually did was they said that it was important for them to carry on with the teaching and preaching, and so the 12 disciples gathered together, said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God. Uh, so they chose uh, seven people among them who were known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, and they gave the responsibility over to them. And this we see how ministry was shared out in the early church. Uh, that it wasn't just left to the apostles, that they appointed people to different tasks within the church. And this is exactly what we try and do today. We try and find people uh, with the different gifts to fill the different needs. And a few weeks ago, I don't know if it's still there, uh, there was a list out there for people to sign up, wanting people to use their gifts and abilities to help support and to care and to share in the church. Um, and uh, as they did this, um, it said that they were uh, all together and the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and uh, a large number of priests uh, became obedient to the faith. And so uh, caring and sharing is an important part of what we do as a church. Um, and... Uh, one thing I like about that passage, it says in, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 5, that this proposal pleased the whole group, that everybody was happy. And again, you know, what, what we're trying to do is, you know, you know the old adage, you can please some of the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. Uh, it seems that uh, to some extent the early church managed to do that because they had enough willing people uh, willing to participate in the life of that early church. So, uh, fellowship, caring and sharing. And then uh, the third thing that we read about is, is worship. And I've called this uh, breaking and shaking. Okay, I was trying to get the rhyming and I'll, I'll explain it. It does fit, but it'll need a little bit of a, a, explaining. The, the breaking bit is obvious because it says they devote themselves uh, to the breaking of bread. Uh, they broke bread together regularly, just as we're going to be doing later on in this service. Um, but what about the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the shaking? Well, uh, uh, some of you, no doubt, have experienced shaking uh, uh, in, in worship. Uh, you've probably uh, been moved by God. And it was certainly uh, the case in the early church. Uh, it says everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. God still shakes people in worship. Uh, it shakes us up sometimes. Sometimes we experience uh, that filling of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit comes down. And some people actually experience a visible shaking. You might have been to places where people are actually uh, shaking. I once went to the uh, uh, Vineyard Church in Toronto Airport. And uh, we were sat there at the, at the back. And uh, at first, I, I thought the person in front of me uh, just had one of those awkward twitches because he kept going like this. Uh, but as I looked round, I noticed that there were other people doing it as well. And uh, after a while, I felt almost like I wanted to, to kind of join in because, you know, God was moving and, uh, and people were being physically touched uh, by the power and the presence of God that was obviously very much alive in that place. And so, uh, breaking and shaking. Uh, this is what God was doing as they met together to, uh, to worship. 
And uh, notice that, that, that it says that all the believers were together and had everything in common. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Uh, there was something about the early church where the people wanted to gather together on a regular basis uh, to worship together and to experience God together. And there is something very special. Uh, we can worship God in our own homes. We can meet together in our own homes. But there's something special about gathering together as a body of believers and coming together into the presence of God, where God uh, sometimes manifests himself in a different way than he does in our individual lives. And that was the experience of the early disciples as they met together, they broke bread in their homes, they met together in the temple courts. They were always meeting together to worship God. And it's important that we do that. It's important that we find times to worship God outside of our Sunday morning experience. If this is our only time when we have to get together to worship God, uh, then we're not going to experience God as much as we could is if, if we worship God every single day of the week. And so it's important to find time in the, in the course of a busy week, busy week to stop and just to uh, be silent or to be still or to meet together with, with friends. Again, in a house group, most house groups will have some sort of act of worship, whether it's singing or praying together or just the act of reading the Bible and medicating together is in itself an act of worship. So the early church, they, uh, they were breaking and shaking, breaking bed and uh, being shaken in their worship as they uh, met together. And then finally, I want to think about uh, relationship. And uh, I've called this seeking and keeping. And this is that element of they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And uh, we know that prayer is important, don't we? Uh, we know that, that prayer uh, is the powerhouse of the church. We know uh, that prayer can be uh, extremely powerful. And uh, no doubt you've experienced in your lives, hopefully, times uh, when the prayers that you've prayed have, have had powerful effects. Uh, but we should never neglect uh, the importance of prayer. Uh, you know, the prayer meeting, uh, sadly, is sometimes a place where it is uh, two or three that are gathered together. Jesus is still there. But in many churches, the prayer meeting uh, doesn't hold perhaps the importance that it should. And uh, we do need to, to be uh, consciously gathering together for prayer. Uh, I know it happens in house groups and that's important and we need to encourage that. Uh, but we do need to encourage uh, the prayer life of the church. We need uh, people who are prayers in the church uh, to champion uh, the need to call the church to prayer. And especially, you know, as we experience uh, difficult times, you know, we're experiencing difficult financial times in, in the life of the church at the moment, and we're having this uh, gift day as part of our church anniversary. Uh, but also, we need to pray. Uh, we need to pray to God, uh, the God who provides. And we need to make sure that we are encouraging people to pray together, uh, at every opportunity. And when you see the prayer meeting, you know, advertised in the bulletin or hear that there's a prayer meeting, you know, come along and, uh, and be inspired and be part of that. Very often people are fearful of the, of the prayer meeting uh, because uh, they're frightened of being in a, in a, in a group uh, where they might be called upon to pray. Uh, there's nothing to be fearful about praying. It's, it's how, we, how we communicate with God. Uh, it's how we talk to God. 
Uh, we don't need to use special words or eloquent language. We can just talk to God in everyday language. And we need to encourage people in their prayer life. Because very often, it's an area that most Christians struggle in. Most Christians struggle in their own individual prayer life. And so it's not surprising when it comes to the collective prayer life in the church that very often it feels like a struggle. But very often, that's what prayer is. It's struggling uh, with God, and we need to pray and to keep on praying. And sometimes people say to me, well, Richard, I've prayed about it, and nothing happens. Uh, well, I just say, well, continue to pray. Uh, Paul says in, in one of his letters, you know, pray continually. And uh, some of you will know that little uh, acronym, uh, you know, push. Uh, pray until something happens. And uh, we just need to push in our prayers we need to continue to pray. We live in this world where, you know, everything's instant and we want instant results and instant this and instant that. And if our, you know, internet's a little bit slow, we get all frustrated because we can't get online straight away. We want everything straight away. And sometimes we bring that into our spiritual life that we think if God doesn't answer us straight away, that somehow he's not heard us or he's not listening or our prayers haven't been answered. And sometimes the Bible gives us lots of examples where people have to be faithful in prayer. And uh, we see that in the early life of the church that they devoted themselves uh, to seeking God and keeping on praying. That's the keeping, uh, keeping on praying to God. And as a church, uh, we need to be seeking God, but we need to be keeping on praying. So this is what the early church devoted themselves to. Uh, they devoted themselves uh, to the apostles' teaching, to teaching and preaching, uh, they devoted themselves to the fellowship, caring and sharing. Uh, they devoted themselves to uh, worship, um, breaking and shaking. And they devoted themselves to uh, the relationship with God, seeking and keeping. And my suggestion is that we need to be devoted to these same things. To the preaching and teaching, to the fellowship, to worship and to our relationship with God.